I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. to another edition of the Lost Words podcast. I'm joined, as ever, by Jason. Jason, hello. Good evening, Tom. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. We will uh, we'll preface this uh, podcast, if that's the right word, by saying that we've both kind of got the, the, the Solheim come up on the background. Um, yeah. We've been following that all weekend, haven't we? Um, yeah. Really, really good. Um, it was really, it's been a really nice change of pace to watch that. Uh, you know, I was... I think we made our feelings clear about the Tour Championship last week. I did the same again in the newsletter, basically saying I didn't really watch it, um, other than a little few bits for the research purposes. But, you know, those players are not playing for a little while now, other than the Ryder Cup, so didn't feel much obliged. So, so on Cups has been really good. It's obviously nice to see Europe play so well. Leona Maguire has been an absolute superstar. Um, really, really nice performance. And uh, it feels like we can forget about the instant earlier on on the... Uh, on the Saturday now and move on because that was starting yep. to overshadow what was actually just a really positive week for us. Um, so, yeah, I think it's been brilliant, isn't it? Charlie Hull's just gone two up, three eight. There you go. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, on, it's, it's definitely on its way home. Absolutely. Um, yeah, they've been brilliant. They look like they're feeling pressure, to be honest with you, the Americans, big time now. Um, and, yeah, I think um, the Adam Maguire's made it 10-7. If Norquist can get it done over the dodge pot that is Lexi Thompson, 11-7, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's all over, I think, to be honest with you. I, um, you know what I didn't like it was like every time Nelly Corder didn't win a match, it was like, oh, she must be just fatigued from such a long season, all this sort of stuff. You wouldn't be saying that like if she'd had a bad week individually. It's just maybe not her thing. Like not everyone turns up in Ryder Cups, do they? Not everyone turns up in Solheim Cups. It's a completely different beast. It's a different pressure, isn't it? It's a different pressure um, playing for a team, playing for yourself, isn't it? Especially you know, when, um, especially when the whole team thinks you're the leader as well. Like being world number one, she said, oh, "I like coming in under radar." Well, good luck with that. Like, yeah, you're exactly. Literally the best player in the world. So, yeah. I, I don't think she really liked it from the outset. She's never looked quite. Like, every interview, she sort of got her head down a little bit and. Never kind of got. I know she didn't have much to get excited about for, for the first couple of days, but yeah, it just didn't strike me as a as a massive Solheim Cup player, and, and we've just got a team full of them. So yeah, it's yeah nice, I think it? that's that's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. It's it's a, it's a different test. You have some people that thrive in this sort of you know competition, and others just don't get it. I mean, you know, I think uh, Daniel Kang, I think um, has a reputation, I believe, of being. Uh, and Matt Cooper, if he's listening, can tell me if I'm wrong. Has a reputation of sort of trying to shy away from it, but she's gone. She's absolutely buzzed for this. Um, she's been, you know, getting the crowd going and everything. So some people do it, some people don't. You, you know, but you're not going to play, you know, the number one player in the world because you know you don't think she suits team golf. No. Um, there we are. But it's been great. It's been, you know, it's looked fantastic. The sun's been shining. They've been playing some great golf, and uh, yeah, you know the. Uh, the uh, European side have been absolutely superb, and they, they they are probably about an hour away from yeah bringing it home again. Yep, Celine Boutier four up, one up in a lot of the other games. I mean, Kang is being pop off by she's five up, isn't she? So um, you know they've got a couple of lopsided results, but it's not going to be enough. So great to see. Um, this obviously isn't a Solheim Cup podcast, so we better not go on to it too much. But really nice to watch. I think. It's got me more excited for the Ryder Cup, which isn't its purpose, I know. It's, it's its own event in its own right, but um, has certainly got me excited for that. Um, and now we come on to the final week of qualification for that. I saw I put out the, the World Rankings guys post earlier on Twitter. I didn't I didn't know that that many people get into the Ryder Cup still. Um, no, oh, like I said, I also replied to one of your tweets. Um First of all, Patrick Cantley, well done. I've been going on about him enough. I thought it was rubbish, rubbish anyway, the tour thingy. But um, yeah. well done. I've been going on about him for, since we started this podcast. And there we are, numero uno. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, uh, well, yeah, I can't remember now. Oh, um, <laughs> the world, the, but just, yeah. it's just absolute nonsense. Designed for television, absolute crap. Um, take the best players in the world. You've qualified, you get in. That's it, job done. You ain't good enough, you ain't good enough. 
it's just nonsense. Advertisers rubbish. Not interested in the slightest. You sit there, you can sit there for an hour watching Steve Stricker and then two days later watching Pod. It's just absolute load of bullshit. Don't enjoy the captain's picks then. No, play the game. No, no problem. I'll watch it and I'll get right into it as I am here. But no, it's just utter crap. Absolutely. But then there's so much in golf that's utter rubbish. You know, the, the race to Dubai is utter rubbish. You know, you could come over here flipping a handful of times and, and play the right tournaments and and there we are, your top three. You know, it's utter rubbish. And, and uh, that's why last year was so good because obviously of conditions, people weren't travelling so much. So when we went to, you know, when we went to the um, Worlds, um, it was a proper fight. Yeah. The world one, obviously, you know, Westy done it. Whereas it's just, you know, turn up at the major. Uh, it's just, it's just all of It's just pile of up. It's stuff that doesn't need to happen. It's very, very simple. It's really simple to do, um, and uh, especially the Ryder Cup. It's just unnecessary. Ryder Cup is in two years. This is when we start. You've got to play this amount of tournaments. I don't give a shit where they're played, right? Yeah, and that's it. And then the top twelve get. Oh, you can adjust it like the world rankings, but obviously, you know, third yeah. may better than third at, you know, I don't know, the Kazakhstan Open. But, you know, at the end of the day, if it's weighted properly, the top 12 are the top 12. That's it, finished. I think I think that applies to a lot of things. Like we, you mentioned there, sort of like the race of Dubai and even the FedEx Cup and stuff. I, I don't follow the FedEx Cup and the race of Dubai because I want to know who's going to win that at the end of the year. Like, used to be you used to have the, the European and PGA Tour money list and whoever won the most money won, didn't they? And now it's like, if you win this event, you're you know, three times ahead of the next. It just gets too much. And like you say, it's geared towards advertising. I like seeing the fight for like 125 and who keeps their card and the Corn Ferry Finals are just staying, stuff like that. European Tour, who keeps a card, who goes up from Challenge Shore. That's all quite exciting. Um, and that's a part yeah, of, of it, I suppose. Yeah. But yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't care that Patrick Cantlay, like everyone, they kept trying to drum up that like, oh yeah, he's going to have $15 million in his bank tomorrow. And it's like, well, one, he's not. That doesn't happen like that. And two, I don't care. But all I actually, I'd rather know that Kevin Nahr and John Rahm were tied for the lead. And and the fact that he's never played that well that he's like Kevin Nahr and, and was basically, you know, going against all the grain to, to even contend there was, was brilliant. And, you know, they've managed to cock it out so much that they actually finished tied first in that leaderboard which just is painful but you know enough of the moaning like you know that's done now we're going to be back to the regular season of the PJ Tour next week we're still in a really good place on the European Tour schedule as we were talking about before we came on um, some, some really good events to look forward to starting this week at Wentworth um, so we'll dive into it we'll uh, go into Wentworth I know we've just had well actually no we'll talk a little bit about the Italian Open um, I know you had a very busy weekend, so I didn't get to see an awful lot of it. But um, <clears throat> I think Nikolai Hoygaard was pretty impressive yesterday. Um, he was. Like, he front run and, and never really relinquished the lead. I think he got to... They tied him after back-to-back bogeys on the 14th and 15th. But he was too clear going onto the back nine. And the nearest chaser was Adrian Moronk for, for quite a while, who was well off the pace to start with. He was six or seven behind. So... He was never really in too much danger until Tommy sort of come back fighting, but got to 16 and had a chance to to leapfrog him or at least tie the lead and, and popped it in the water, which is, you know, all too similar for uh, for Tommy Fleetwood at the moment. Raving, isn't he? Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, any any event that you you can score par in the final round and still finish first and second is is an event that I love. Yeah, you know, we've had a few of them. We, I say, we discussed it this year. We've had some really difficult events. You know, none of them. There've been very few. Like last year during lockdown, we had plenty of low, low scoring, scoring tournaments. Very, very boring. Um, and this year, you know, just off the top of my head, we've had obviously Austria. By the way, the Americans are coming back big time. Um, Thompson's just flipping uh, tied it, Norquist match. But anyway, um, you know, we've had Austria, which we just is one I can remember when it got really cold in the playoff. Um, and he had a big, you know, big fight down the stretch. You've had most of the home opens have been good, apart from ours, which is, you know, conditions. It was, it was boring, but um, that's the way it is. Then we've had recently, we've had Crans, uh, which turned out to be a bit of a grind in the end, which was welcome. Italy, which is always a good tournament. France is always a good tournament. It's, it's funny how Austria, you know, Switzerland, Italy, you know, all in the same region. 
of the world, all that sort of Alps based, if you like, if you want to sort of put it around there. Yeah. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Here we come to uh, Wentworth, that can be a real test of, of your all round game and has always gone to a very, very high class player. So, yeah, it's brilliant. And then not long till the best tournament on the calendar. Oh, Valderrama. We're but, par, uh... for, par for 72 <laughs> holes is a good score. <laughs> What I do like about and you sort of touched on it there is it's kind of like you know sometimes it gives sort of false ideas of what they did but I do like when someone sort of shoots five or you know five or six under four under whatever they do make a, a reasonable climb up the leaderboard as well I mean we had a few of them yesterday like Carol Moore shot five under and he moved up fifteen spots you had you know, Richard Bland shot four under ten spots Larafa about twenty four spots after shooting six under like, I, I quite enjoy that that they kind of broke through broke them old shot really good scores in in not the easiest conditions i mean you look at the, the sort of top 10 and top 15 there were a lot of like red numbers but there were a lot of that sort of shot level par one under you know over par in some circumstances as well miko corhan and uh, mm. minwoo lee so you know those guys that shot five under sam horsfield shabunka sharma all those sort of guys they, they made really good moves and like especially with adrian moron correct as a newsletter like he took a real big step forward yesterday, I think. Like not only like literally in terms of the leaderboard, but you know, he shot seventy round one, sixty nine round two, sixty seven round three, really grew into the event. Knew he had to go low yesterday so he didn't have a chance and shot five under. And to be honest, he was unlucky not to shoot six under, had a couple of you know, he nearly chipped in once and he missed a you know, burnt the edges a couple of times as well. So to have that kind of effort and, and really if you know, if Hogard had shot two or three under it, he was nowhere near it, you know, realistically. But the fact that you know him, you know Hogarth and Fleet were both shot level par, and, and he sort of chased them down, shooting five under. Even Laporta shot three under, was sort of two behind. So, it, it Moronk really impressed me. I think that's what's his third top three finish of the season. Um, so I think that's a you know a big progression for someone like him. Um, I think look out yeah, for nice, him in the coming weeks. Nice set of figures as well. If you yeah. look through his figures, as, as as obviously you can look at them in tour tips um, and uh, SGT to green map puts them up on Twitter as well, um, sourced from the same source. Um, but yeah, my worry about it is, looking at these figures, he's, he didn't actually play too bad. We were burnt with Rosner last week doing the same sort of thing. Um, but Moronk, yeah, they're, they're actually very, very impressive. Apart from his sort of short game around the green, um, I think nothing staggering about his pattern, but it never is. But yeah, his tee to green, his, his off the tee are improving every day. So yeah, he looks, he looks great. There's a few of them there, actually. Um, you know, you look down their figures. We might talk about Horsfield this week, for example, who continues to to stripe it tee to green, but has just completely lost it on the greens. Um, yeah, I don't know what's happened to him. Doesn't have uh, Fridays, does he, at the moment? Nah, you know, same thing. We know that Wardo's going to, uh, you know, not do it on the greens, but his figures actually weren't that horrendous over the weekend. Uh, it's just that vital one that he's not, he's not there. But he was again boosted by coming home. Yeah, look. Nothing wrong with Hogard. He's been he's been threatening it for a while. There's been enough written about, you know, the first twins to do this. Certainly back to back, I don't think ever. Yeah. Um, and and you know, like I said in my bit, um, I would have thought he might have got a bit fed up with keep being asked um, about you know the comparisons, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But he he said he was inspired by it. Um, and here he is, you know, job done. It shouldn't have been good enough, really. I don't think Neville Parr. No. Uh, but if you've got you know, unfortunately, Tommy's turning into a bit of a, but I think, bit of a one to watch. I think. I think if he <laughs> had to shoot two or three under, I think he possibly would have done. Like he never really looked massively in danger. He did save a few holes and stuff like that. But I think if he had to be aggressive and to stay out in front, I think he just he never really had to. He was never forced to. And that was because Tommy had sort of, you know, Daniel Van Tonder was all over the place, shot seventy nine. Um, literally was striking it like me and you. So. You know that takes the pressure off, and I think once that's sort of evolving around you, and Fleetwood's not putting on the pressure you'd expect him to, and because he kind of woke up over the last few holes and made sure he needed to get the job done, so yeah, I think he's got the little gear. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. You know, they, they, they've always said there's absolutely nothing between them, nothing. Well, the thing is, is he he come to second to Sergio, didn't he? Actually, outscored him. Uh, at the KLM in 2019, he was the only finished one behind him. Shot 68 to Sergio 69 on a Sunday, um, and that was kind of before uh, Rasmus had impressed. And I always said that you know 
despite the fact that Rasmus had those two wins, I, I didn't think there was still much between them. I think Rasmus got hot at the right time on the right golf courses because they're all resourcey. Um, and then he got that third win, and you kind of think, okay, maybe he is just that tad bit better. But I'm not sure that he is. Like I say, I think that you know, if, if you take the season for what it is, I think they've both been fairly level in terms of ability. Rasmus maybe just maybe got a bit more confidence, I suppose, and a bit more freedom. I mean, Nikolai only got in on a late invite on Monday, so he's maybe got to protect it and get his, you know, his, his ranking up and stuff like that. I don't know. But, yeah, I don't think there's going to be much between them going forward. Um, certainly very bright. Denmark have had a little spell of really good golfers, haven't they, for, for quite a while now. So, um, yeah, I, I think he was really, really good. But going into this week, Victor Hovland's a 10-to-1 favourite. Uh, Tyrrell Hatton 16s, Shane Lowry 18s, uh, and Fitzpatrick and Fleetwood at 22s, uh, the leading trio of Englishmen there, and then Alex Noren at 25 to 1. Um, off the top, any of those that kind of appeal to you? Well, they make obvious sense, don't they? I mean, with, with Rory not not in the tournament, uh, I mean, Hovland makes perfect sense. I mean, you know, last time he came over to Europe, uh, he won the, obviously the BMW at Germany. And then uh, was top 12 at the Open yeah. um, since then. Obviously, he's worked his way through the FedEx events, finishing fourth yesterday. You know, his tee to green, is that, tee to green game is, is absolutely outstanding. You need to be top class here. If you look back at the past, um, they've all got form in um, very, very high-level competitions. Um, the, green, the greens and red game is great. My only one thing about him, it does appear on, on, on the stats that his short game is improving um, was that scrambling tends to be pretty important around here, so obviously certainly if you miss the greens you don't want to be losing shots to the field um, so in that regard I'd have a slight worry about him, having said that, look, you know, the stats tell you that uh, his scrambling has been okay the last couple of twice, it has been over there to be fair rather than rather than somewhere like Wentworth Um We'll see. I mean, he's too short, isn't he? You, you can't possibly back him at that price, I wouldn't have thought. But it, isn't it? You know, that's why he's there, and, and that's the right price. Um, of the others, I think I think we always say Hatton, don't we? Really? In this sort of level yeah, of competition? I'd, I'd probably um, go with Lowry this week, just because of the course. But... Yeah, I would, yeah, I wouldn't, you see. I mean, for me, I mean, Tyrrell Hatton, you've had uh, back-to-back winners. Luke Donald won here yep. uh, twice off... Uh, Interesting off form of two three seven. He then went and won the year after. Um, I'm not saying Hatton's the same, obviously, but you know he's got seventh, seventh and first separated by a few years. So even when they changed the course, it didn't matter to him. Um, and we know what it's like. I, I, for me, I, I guess how tough does it get? You know, how, how windy does it get? Does the the rain come? Um, no, I don't, I don't think his forecast to be that particularly bad. But that's meant to be decent this week, I think. Yeah, Hatton would be the one if it got bad, uh, but I can uh, you can understand why Hovland's favourite for obvious reasons. I, I not particularly don't care about Shane Lowry at that price, um, and I'd have Fitzpatrick over Tommy Fleetwood at the moment every day of the week, but neither make a bill at that price. When you look at Hovland's European Tour results in isolation, win at the BMW you mentioned, sixth for the Saudi, third at the DP World Tour, twenty third Dubai Desert Classic, yeah. and eleventh yeah. here on debut miscut the Abu Dhabi was the one and only um, and he was 96th in the world after that so that was only a year ago he's now, what was he, 14th so different player now already um, very very good record when coming over here uh, like you say, the perfect price but just uh, I, don't, I just don't think you need, I think something like Wentworth, I, I don't feel too comfortable taking on any short price player really Um because I, I do think it's the kind of course that if you get on the wrong draw, if you get, you know, th- there's there's a lot of quirky holes where if you get a bad bounce, it can go completely wrong. And it's it's a good course and it's a good test. And you do see a lot of the the, the bigger players uh, check out quite quickly if things go wrong. Um, you know, I used to go sort of every year, and you'd, you'd always see a couple of players that missing that you're hoping to see because they've missed the cut. So yeah, I, I don't I don't think it's impossible. I also think we said this last year. I think last year's preview, like the biggest killer for me was Cabrera getting beat by, um, oh God, who was it now? Uh, Scott, Scott Drummond. Drummond. <laughs> Scott Drummond down the stretch. I literally had, had spent the money. Um, and, and there we are. So it does happen. It was a different course then. I, and, and even back then, 
Um, that was when the final two holes were absolute gimme birdies. Yeah. You had Angel Cabrera, who loved the place. You know, the, one of the biggest hitters in the world at the time. Uh, guaranteed par, you know, birdie on two holes, and he couldn't do it. So it does happen. So, but I mean, you didn't get eight, you didn't get eight places then, did you? You only got five. Won the won the following um, year as well, didn't he? Just to make up for it. Yeah, yeah. But you but you you um, as I say, you only get um, five places now, not eight. So you can understand why he's ten to one. He's class, isn't he? He's absolute. You know, his iron game is just top grade. But no, no one wants to back him at that price. So move on. Yeah, I think you know, in terms of of winners here, as you've said, it's, it's very clearly always going to be a top class winner. Um, Benny Am maybe a bit of a surprise winning on his debut, but it was a very classy uh, operator at the time. Chris would have looked like a, an odd one out at the moment, but generally at the time he was he's one of the better players on the European tour regularly. Um, he was Ryder Cup, I think, that year as well. Um, 14 of the last 15 renewals, uh, and nine of the last 15 have had British winners, and then 14 of the last 15 have had someone in first or second in terms of Brits. So it is a home event. Um, they do make it their own. Um, I think you've got to go back to I think it's Paul McGinley and Angel Cabrera in 2005 for the time when neither of them were involved uh, in a Brit in first or second. Um other than Norrin and Molinari in 2017. So, yeah, I, I think it's just you, you want to have a Brit somewhere in that leaderboard. Um, and, and I think there's a few of them coming up. But Alex Norrin, I suppose, makes a little bit of appeal. Um, former winner, we just mentioned, um, playing very, very well on PGA Tour. I just preferred his uh, compatriot at a bigger price. Yeah, fair enough. Same for you? <laughs> um. Yes, you know we do, because we spoke about it earlier. Um, <laughs> That's why I was prompting you. Well, okay. I mean, look, look down it. Um, you talk about um, Hovland at the DP. Um, you go down recent winners, and, and the big tournaments turn up. You know, the Arnold Palmer turns up a few times. The DP Worlds turn up a number of times. Makes sense, because obviously, you know, the best players in the world. Kranz turns up quite a lot in the form lines of previous winners, which is interesting, but it's understandable as well, because it can be a thinker's course at times. Um, and yeah, well, if you're going to go down to what Henrik, yeah. yeah, we're going to go to Henrik Stenton. I know both you and I think he's an absolute storming bet for the week. Um, let me find my notes, Tom. Just sort of, you know, what's well, tell I'll, you? I'll, I'll, I'll ramble some off. I mean, he's got four top eight finishes here in the last 15 years. Last three starts are seventh, third, and 17th. The 17th being most recently. Um, and importantly for me, that came when it had been moved to uh, September. Um, he was, I think he was second after round one and third after round two that year as well. Just had a bad Saturday, which can happen, as we said, on this golf course. Um, clearly in, in, in different form to what he's been in for the best part of two years now. Um, once he does that, you take notice. And he's got Gareth Lord back on the bag this week, which is uh, you know, a big positive for him. Probably still thinks he can make the Ryder Cup team, so if that's the motivation for him, he will go for it. Um, and I just don't think he's a 41 golfer, even even in a loaded field like this. When Henrik Stenson's at the top of his game, I think he should be nearer the, the Fleetwoods and the Norrens in the market as opposed to out there at 41. Yep. If you go, uh, if you go back, uh, again, previous winners, obviously huge on greens and regulation around here. You don't want to be missing them, really. If you do, you want to be very high up in scrambling or around the green. Um, Hatton was first, Willett was eighth, Molinari was first, Norrens was fourth, etc., etc., etc. Um Stenson ranks first on tour tips around the green this week in this field. Um, and he ranks sixth in tee to green. So uh, everything's going well for him. Even better, the tournaments that I've mentioned already that I, you know, the DP, uh, Kranz, um, Nedbank turns up, AP. Stenson, you've already said the Wentworth form. Uh, the Nedbank, he's got uh, 17, 8, 2, and 4. Uh, his Kranz form's great. Obviously, recently he was third when uh, he led after the first round. Um, he's got five top tens in the eight, uh, Arnold Palmer. Um, as you say, at the check, he led after round one. At Crans, he came from 96 to third. Um, and he led the first round last week in Italy with a 64, lost his way over the weekend, came again with a 69. Everything's on there. The figures are there. He's top 20 in everything that we care about this week. You know, accurate driving accuracy. If he drives it on the fairways, greens and reg is going to come into, into uh, uh, prominence scrambling around the green whatever you want to call it he's been absolutely fantastic I, I just I, I just think he's an 
absolute st- eight places, he looks storming, absolute storming. But and if he gets an early tea time, having led twice already over the last three events, you might as well have a little go in there as well. Yeah, I think I think that's definitely a, a prudent play. And unfortunately, whenever we feel this good about someone, it, it tends to end in tears. Um, <laughs> but you know, I think I don't think we're going to be alone in putting him up this week. I think it all points to, to positive so results. Fun. It's um, he's excellent. I, I really do like Henry Stenson. I think he's great to watch. I mean, he's good value, very good player, very pleasing to uh, see his eye in game. Um, I don't think he necessarily needs to drive around here, which is something that he does struggle with uh, at his worst. So, yeah, I just I just really like his chances. Like you said there, he's had some fast starts in recent weeks. So I don't know that there has been any first-round leader markets put up just as of yet. But uh, once they do go up, certainly it would be worth putting that out as well. Um, interesting to see how he reacts to, to try and get into that Ryder Cup team. I don't know if that's something that really phase him or not. Um, there's so many different people that can get into it, and then I think if you know if Lowry gets knocked out, it's pretty much Lowry, Garcia, and and Poulter in anyway. So it's it's almost a given. I, I think most players will know that. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I suppose the motivation to win for the first time in however long is is probably more important than making that Ryder Cup at this stage. I would think so. I would certainly think so. But if it, you know, you've seen what's happened with Wiesberger. Yeah. You know, he's since 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 the, you know as it got closer and got closer and got closer, and he's uh, he's sort of. I think he's got a massive chance this week again. Yeah. Because I think the course is absolutely perfect for him. Um, but it is a worry that it, perhaps he's feeling the pressure. You know, I know Ben's been on a couple of times recently, and he's hitting greens and he's just failing to do anything. Um, and we expect that off certain people. Um, we haven't expected it off him for uh, you know a long while really. Um, but he's got the course form, 17th, 15th, 12th. Um, obviously, the Crans. And he's even got AP form when he went over there. He was, he was just outside the top 30. Yeah. Um, there is a worry that he's on the way down, as I say, that he's feeling it. But, but again, maybe um, that, like we can't second-guess what's going through their heads. But, you know, maybe he's thinking, oh, you know, I've blown it now. I've blown the chance of, of really getting a pick or anything like that. And he'll perform a little bit better this week. Um it's a worry that he's, he's sort of lost his form, but other than that, I thought I thought this this was this was definitely you know one that he should be playing well. Westwood is, is a funny one. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm sure Westwood complained about this course a number of times. I think um, he did when when they. But it might be the little changes, wasn't it? Yeah, the little change over a couple of years. By the way, yeah. this is this is twelve seventy. Oh, we only need two, don't we? Um, we only need two. We're only one up in three of them. Um, and Norquist is going down the last. Um, anyway, um, yeah, I mean Westwood again. Again, this is absolute course, isn't it? You know. Um, well, he had those couple of jewels with Westwood, didn't he? When it was for world number one, I think back in the day. Right, you know, find the fairway, get the uh, get the, on the greens. But there's loads of them, isn't there? There's loads of. Them. But it's funny how we're talking about. You know, you mentioned the three, the three Ryder Cup picks that you think they'll be. Yeah. You know, there's no risks taken there, is there? You know, I'm not saying they should be. Um, whether they're, I mean, they are Ryder Cup players. Uh, whether they're, you know, whether they're, maybe, I mean, maybe it's because it's over there. But if it was over here, I think we could probably take a bit of a chance. I think, I think the way that Sergio has been hitting the ball, yeah, I think he's kind of earned his spot. Um, the way he's played in the FedEx Cup playoffs, the way he stepped up when he got that pick last time in Paris. Just, I was very much beating the Matt Wallace drum that year, and, and Sergio put everyone sort of quiet in that respect um Poulter just does what he does like he's just going to turn up and deliver a point at some point um he his form never looks that eye-catching because I think he plays on a tour that suits him less I think the lifestyle living in America suits him but the but the golf if he spent more time on the European tour would be a bit more prosperous but that's not what he's about he's about sort of living the life that he lives and um cashing the money like he does so don't blame him for that an awful lot. I think he's won what he needs to win. I don't think he's got anything left to prove. And, and the Ryder Cup is something he circles every two years and, and does his bit for it. And then, you know, if, if it's not Larry, if Larry keeps his spot, then I think that I think it's a very, very live discussion. I think he wants Justin Rose to kind of force the issue, play well this week and make it an easy pick. Because if he's got a pick between, you know, Hogards, McIntyre's, Norrand, Guido's, Perez, whoever, you know, whoever plays well this week, Stenson... 
you know, Beesberger, he's, he's going to have so many tough decisions to make out of that lot. I think he'd rather just one of the experienced ones steps up and made it for him. Yeah, that's 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 very fair. So yes, that's by six then if you want to. Yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Um, that would be nice. I think, I think this event, and it's, and it's you know, you kind of expect it. It feels like how many can you back as opposed to to trying to find one because. Oh, Char- sorry, Charlie Hull has just hit one left. Right, it's just short of the green. Hit a mound, just banded across the green to three foot. Anyway, come on. anyway. We're uh, live commentating the uh, the Solheim Cup now. Um, well, no, it's, it's been a, it's been a tremendous event. Norquist has just found a bit of a fairway on the last tide down. Yeah, the they last, both have. So both that's both good. Yeah. Um, look, but back to it. I think that you know there's so many in this field where you've wanted to back. We, we sort of said it earlier. People that you'd want to back that they've been sort of 28s, 25s, whatever, and they're suddenly 70s, 80s, and it's trying to get all those into one sort of card. Really, I mean. Bob McIntyre is someone everyone will want to back at 50s. I don't particularly care about him this week. I think he's on the way down. Um, but Rasmus Hogarth's 50s after winning again and playing very well last week in the end. Um, and he loves he loves Britain, doesn't he? He does. He does. He really yeah. does. And I, he did miss a cut, didn't he, on his debut? But I think he played okay. I don't think he played terribly. So I, I would say that's actually a fair price. It's only because his, his twin brother is 100 to 1 that I'd probably opt for him in the hope that he can just carry on from last week but i think they're both very fair and and live runners really it'd be interesting to see what perez does after finishing second mm. last year on debut Brilliant and last year. he's yeah. got that obviously he's got that chance to get in still he's shown a bit of life hasn't he at the right time with top 18 finishes in the last three so him schwab's played well on the and the corn ferry and he's you know i think he was i think he led the greens regulations last week on the corn ferry event so that's just what he's all about isn't it whether he makes the putts or not to get his first title at this sort of event remains to be seen and then you kind of got your, your, your well, Francesco hasn't really budged in price considering what he was last week and what that event meant to him so Guido 66s hitting the ball well again Higo played well last year and then I, I come to Sam Horsfield as my next selection um, I think he's very easily opposable when he's 10 to 1, 12 to 1 even 16 to 1 I, I kind of tend to overlook him and hope he has one of those trademark Fridays and, and goes away but when he's 70 to 1 or you know 66 to 1 with 8 places um, on a golf course that he finished 15th on his debut I think he was 3rd after 3 rounds um, I say I think he was almost certain that he was 3rd after 3 rounds and just kind of went the wrong way but that happens you know he was he wasn't a rookie but he was still early on in his career then Um and you know it's not the easiest event to be that close in contention with, is it? I think that I think he was four behind Molinari and Rory going into that day, and had a you know disappointing Sunday. But I think that happens to the best golfers as well, doesn't it? Yeah, but I mean, I, I my personal way of betting is I think he wants it a lot easier. Yeah, yeah. I think he's a bit like Andy Sullivan, who wants who wants um, you know low scoring competitions. Um, he's Patting is getting worse and worse every week. I know his figures are okay for last Sunday, but yeah. um, you know they were just as bad as Eduardo Molinari's for the other three days. Yeah. Um, and that's and he's that's an achievement in know. itself. Well, it is, but but you know that does show how well Molinari's playing. To be fair, yeah. Um, you know he's given himself. I mean, if Molinari had a different putter, he'd have won three by now, um, just on the return to form. But, but look at that; those red figures on the around, you know, um, around the green. Um, if he doesn't, if he doesn't hit the greens, and there's every possibility, we've seen Horsfield loads of times. Um, there's every possibility that he's, you know, he isn't the most accurate off the tee. Um, but those around green figures, all negative, all four last week, and I think he's the only player in the top 20 with with four, all four rounds negative. Um, and that's a continuation of what he's been doing for quite a while now. Um, so for me. He's the same price as Richard Bland. They're both on the um, sort of opposite ends of the experience um, scale. But for me, after Richard Bland's um, you know fifth last week, um, I'd much rather have him at the same sort of 60, 60, 61 price personally. The only thing I would say about the, that in terms of short games, I think this is a course where a lot of people make mistakes around the greens and on them. Um, they're quite tricky greens and... 
I think it will balance out slightly, but I obviously appreciate the concerns. I think they're the concerns that make me oppose him at 10 to 1, 12 to 1. And when he's 70 to 1, I think that just comes with the territory, I think. Yeah. Um, so that that would be my argument with that. I think he's, we, we know, uh, you know, you're not even saying, you, you know he's good enough to win. Um, it's just a case of whether he can. And like you say, it is worrying that, you know, you miss, if you miss a green, it's basically almost a bogey in his eyes because he's, he's not chipping well. But, I just think that can change so very quickly. But going on to Richard Bland, I mean, the results are just ridiculous, aren't they? We, I think we probably both felt that it was going to end the sort of fairy tale at some point soon. You know, when he when he was leading the US Open for that little period and he kind of fell away, you think, okay, well, that was the end of that. It was really nice to see. Um, but it's just ridiculous. First of the British Masters, his first win in, what was it, 480-odd events, 87 or something. Third, the following start in uh, Denmark, 50th at the US Open, 4th at the Irish Open, 15th at the Scottish Open, 67th in the Major wasn't great, 3rd at the Kazoo Classic, 1 miscut at the Crans, and then a 5th again last week. It's ridiculous, isn't it? If that was anybody other's name in front of that form, he'd be kind of 33-1 to 1 maybe. It's, it's Fleetwood-esque, isn't it, and things mm. like that, isn't it? It, it, it? You know, and, and it's, you know... It, yeah. it's, pure, it's purely that you just... No one believes it can continue, and I know, and I know this is a a different level of event, and and it is a step up, but he's just a different player than he was when you were sort of you know when we sort of joked about him and the fact that he couldn't get a job done ever and all that sort of stuff. But he's not that type of player, and you have to treat it as it is for now, haven't you? I mean, the last start here, he was I think he was thirty fifth, um, and he sh- he was sick, he shot a sixty seven opening round and finished fourth uh, after round one that week as well. So. He can play the golf course. I think he's got a fifth way back in the day when it doesn't really matter now with all the changes. But that fourth was within you know, the last three years. I just think that the way he's playing, I mean, if he can just stretch this out for a, you know, a month or two, he's going to have a very good finish on the on the race to Dubai, if, you know, if that's important to you. But I just, again, it'll probably come crashing down next year, but he doesn't need to carry on next year to, to get the job done this week, does he? No, just watching this though, right? Wouldn't it be typical if Charlie Hull won the 14 point? It's just typical. <laughs> you know, it's what she plays for, isn't it? But anyway, um, I agree. I, I mean, you know, we discussed this earlier. I mean, Bland's, Bland's, he has been, to be fair, he's been up there at Tita Green for a long, long time. I mean, hmm. I remember him, it wasn't long ago, when he was the guaranteed back whoever he's playing in the final day two ball. And it ch- it totally changed. British Masters was really the one that, that, that sort of changed it, really. Um uh, and let's have a look at his final rounds as well. You know, uh, go back to Kenya, 67, 66, four times in a row, 67, 65, 68, 67. The, 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 over the last, whatever, six months, he's just completely changed. Hmm. Um, whether it was, who knows? We, we, can't, we can't speculate whether it was like, what the hell before that? And then suddenly, you know, he couldn't believe that he won it. It's just given him such a boost. It's just the pressure, you know, when you think, of, you know, you're playing for that long without a trophy, you know, you're a professional golfer and someone says to you, oh, how many have you won? And none, mate. How long have you been doing it for? 12 years or whatever. The pressure has just come off and he's playing the same game that he always has, I think. Um, yeah, it's not like he's someone that's added on 50 better. yards or something and just, no, and no, just no, changed no. his game, is it? He's, he's stuck to his own device, isn't he? He's got four top tens in the four top ten green and regs in the last five. Twenty uh, eighth, he was ranked in the Open. You know, there we are. We're talking top grade, as you know, and it's too easy anyway. Um, you've got it in front of you, isn't it? Uh, you know, his driving actress, I think, is the best in the field. Um, he loves England. One of the obviously, it, I think it's significant. He's only one has been at the Belfry that has been in this country, um, and obviously he's played really, really well at, uh, at um, the London Club. He, just, he looks wrong price to me. Again, for a place maybe, but there's a couple there, as you say. You know, um, have been shorter in in other competitions, but you can quite easily make cases against some of them, some of those above them. And yeah, I, I, like as you say, you, you're like Hosfield. I like Bland a lot at exactly the same price, um, and I'd, I'm quite happy to be with him. I, I cannot believe the trio of players that I'm I'm going to put up here this week. <laughs> I can't wait for you to come on to your next one. But before you do, I'll give a I'll give a little mention to this selection of players here. Um, Johannes Veerman's playing very, very well. I think he's someone that could take to the golf course well. 
uh, Maiden's obviously a concern. Thomas Peters has come back to form a little bit, but I've literally seen him smash his ball into a bunker and then snap a club over his neck at this golf course, and that wouldn't surprise me if he'd done it again this weekend. So um, I'll keep an eye out for that over the weekend. Um, Sean Crocker is just someone that I've, I'm not going to follow off a cliff, but he's you know just been very, very good. He, his ball striking is, is up there with the very best. We've seen it with Nikolai last week, but you know eventually that does pay off. Um mm. He was 18th last week without really ever impressing that much. Uh, you know, bad 71 and 72 uh, closing and opening rounds. So there were, you know, there was nothing special from him. But the fact he's finishing 18th when it's nothing special after finishing second and fourth and a ninth for the Irish as well, it just looks to me like he's settled into that kind of form. A bit like, I suppose, the similar with Horsfield, who's basically his best mate, I think, anyway. His, his ball striking is just absolutely ridiculous. I think he he didn't his approach game wasn't his usual high standards, but his, I think his off the tee game. I think he was the leader there, or or certainly close. Um, had it in the newsletter earlier, but I'm sure it's something gained like eight strokes off the tee or something. It's just there you go, six strokes off the tee just behind Nikolai Hoygaard. So yeah. if it's not the if it's not the irons, it's the driver, and, and very often it's both. And I think this would be a great golf course for him. So. I'm tempted there at sort of 75, 80 to 1. Um, it's a bit less if you want the extra places, which I suppose is the deciding factor. I also think Callum Hill is a, is a massive price the way that he's been playing. Um, but I'll let you come on to to your man now at 80 to 1 and, and similar. No, I mean, first you go back, I agree with you. I mean, Veerman's obviously got the win behind him now, yeah. um, whereas Crocker hasn't. Um, but then Beerman, as you say, is his first out, and, and Crocker's had experience around here when he wasn't the, you know, he wasn't the player that he's. Now I still yeah. think he's better than he was last year. I agree, he's going to fall over the line at some point. So. Absolutely, and you're right about Callum Hill. So all these players that you know, I mean, Callum Hill goes off at you know twenty, twenty-five to one now in yeah. a bog standard European event. Now you can get seventy, eighty to one. It's got you know, there's not that much difference. It's about experience. It's about names, isn't it? But it's not. But I know that you, you do they obviously those guys up at the top of the, the market will occupy a certain amount of places and, and you'd think that if he was going head to head with one of them they would come out on top but you know even if he's playing for place money with that attitude he's, he's the same price as he would be to win it most weeks so yeah I, I think it's I always sort of circle these events and, and hope that they're going to be big prices and and the trouble with it is, is that all of them are this week, and you kind of got to whittle down which ones you really want to go with. Yeah, I'll go on to him anyway. Um, <laughs> and this is purely a price. It's purely a pricing. Nothing else. Obviously, I'm not a fan at all. But Martin Keimer, eighty to one, just looks wrong to me. Um, yeah, if he's three figures on Betfair, that's just just wrong. Um, obviously, he's been going off, you know, twenty-five, thirty to one, roughly most weeks, if not shorter. Hmm. Um, was his second um, his own event the BMW not that long ago final round 64 but it was it was his overall his overall form and course comparisons obviously we mentioned the ones already he's sort of got plenty of obviously at the DP um, here like you know hundreds of top 15s um, he's got an 18th and a second at Crans, which comes up with Willett um, and Cero etc a um, couple of half decent efforts at the AP but it was just again he's what I slag him off for is just his inability to get his the job done when he hits mm. the greens. But when you have the smaller greens, you obviously, you know, you don't have to have that 55-foot lag putts and things like that. And it, 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 I'll be honest with you, Tom, it was purely the fact of the price. When If you'd have said what price he had, I said somebody would have hit him up about 50, something like that, yeah. given what he can do and given his course form. Um, you know, I mean, he's in and out. He's, he's not a Sean Crocker with his irons anymore um, but he did lead a say in Germany before that he actually was um, he ranked second at the US Open for mm. the approaches Austria he was seventh when uh, uh, John Catlin won um, top 20 at the European Masters in Switzerland which I like a lot um, it, that was it it was basically a price uh, like I say if it's three figures on Betfair it's definitely worth a punt um, 80 to 1 I'd be happy to think that he can come up there on the bridle and then completely screw it up like Fleetwood. Um, but it doesn't matter because, you know, you'll be out at three, so who cares? I think the thing is as well, is, is 
not to beat the same drum over and over again but it it is the price like every week we say i don't i have no idea how martin Kahn is 25 to 1 it's just name value and all of a sudden he's now the price that you'd expect him to be for tournaments the way his form suggests like he's in and out he's showing flashes um yes he's got a reputation of a very very good golfer but it's been x amount of years since he won um you've still got francesco Molinari. okay i know he's a winner here but he's in the, he's you know been in the doldrums a little bit he's 66s 55s whatever and Martin Kime is there at 80s. You know, it does get to the point. I think it wasn't that the kind of price he was going to when he won that US Open. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, um, yeah. It, not to say that that's the reason to back him, but I think everyone has their price. We always talk about Roy McIlroy 20 to one and, and players like that. Once they start getting to the 80s, I mean, if he has another bad week, what does he go to in a few weeks' time? You know, it. The, the, can you? Would you be able to back him in Dubai or something like that? You know, I, I don't know, but I think. The 80 to 1 is it's one of those times where you think, okay, I've got to have a look now. Um, you mentioned Andy Sullivan and, and wanted it to be the scoring sort of uh, lower, but I thought 80 to 1 on him was pretty fair. Um, you know, I think he was third here last year, was he? Um, I do agree. I think he loves a, a birdie fest. Um, I think he's certainly someone that if he gets a bad bounce or whatever, he just kind of gets fed up and if he was sort of 20th or something after round two and then went to 35th after round three, I'm pretty sure he'd be 70th by the time yeah, yeah, yeah. the end of Sunday comes around. But he's not someone that's going to grind you out of place. But yeah, I thought if you're in those sort of people, someone that has great form in England, you know, as he, as we all well know he does, that that would be someone to look at. But enough of the people we're not backing. Um, Masahiro Kawamura, really, his like figures, again, we talk about figures... Um, you look at Torsic, it's just the way he's been hitting his irons. It's just been absolutely superb. His tee to green game has been absolutely excellent. Um, you know, he, he has played it twice, but the 20th last year was basically, I, I count that as his debut, considering the player that he is now. Um, he was 10th after 54 holes. He was within six of Hatton and three of JB and, and Perez in second. So I imagine the, the kind of occasion of maybe placing in a big tournament got to him, which is fair enough. You know, it. He's he looks experienced. He's been around for a long time, but he's pretty lightly running these sort of sort of level because of you know how long it's taken him to develop. I think he won at twenty in Japan and has never really kicked on. Um, but he, he's just ran into some great form. I mean, like I suggested, he flew up the leaderboard with a sort of five under round, um, and and that's kind of been his game for an awful lot of the season. But fifth at the Italian Open, 21st at Crans, 16th at the Hero, 3rd in uh, Northern Ireland, 5th at the Kazoo, 6th in the Scandinavian Mix. Like, he just keeps showing up now. Um, he lost that showdown, didn't he, to Bob McIntyre uh, last year, but 5th in the Portugal Masters, 8th at Valderrama shows he can do it in different sort of standards. That's, that'll always be a positive to you. Um, yeah, I just think just the way he's striking the ball is just absolutely superb, and he's got that... Um, form of, of finishing 20th last year and 10th after 54 holes he can clearly get around track there are just so many tee to green players mm. um in this in this field it's just you know it the, the problem i've got is yeah i agree i agree he's very tempting when you get the eight i mean the difference between you know of getting the eight places getting the old five is just he's just you know it's tremendous it makes, it you know, makes Harding, it hard to ignore people doesn't it harding's playing well catlin isn't play isn't he's doing his job, but he's just not doing it on the greens. Tee to green's been great. It's, it's almost flipped off with John Catlin, hasn't it? We expect you him know, to be a rock solid short game, and now all of a sudden he's he's mashing it off the tee. Well, not mashing it distance, but hitting it well off the tee and greens and regulations. And his short game has deserted him. Absolutely, you've got Moronk, who you said playing well. Brayo's got past form. Beef loves England. Um, I like Matt Jordan quite a lot this mm. week. I know it's his debut, but he he I think he's playing to it. I you like I said to you um, last week. I can't believe that he was actually fourth in um, Switzerland. Yeah, uh, he missed so much that to get that—that that was what the eye-catching thing was, and the fact that it's now Crans, and that, as I say, that appears in um, Danny Willett's form, uh, Alex Norin's form, uh, Matteo's form. Um, I, I think that's quite significant. Um, Almost, uh, maybe not quite, but similar sort of profile to to Benny Amwin on his debut as well. In the sense that he was playing some really really good golf, um, and and now making his debut appearance. You know, 
you don't want to write people off just because it's their first time. I think it's harder to win, but we're talking about 125s, 110s with, with yeah. Matthew Jordan. It's but worth the pace money. Players continue to be more experienced as they, as you know, as we've discussed hundreds of times, like more on the PGA Tour. But yeah. you know, they're ready to win. I mean, well, you say more on the PGA Tour. You've just had two 20-year-olds win back to back. You know, one of them won twice when he was 19, or three times when he was 19. So. Uh, they're they're ready to win, and and Jordan's had enough experience in top European fields to not particularly worry about that. I mean, he can be all over the shop, which is my worry with him. Um, but he's you know he's he's playing some you know absolutely fantastic golf. Again, he's in the top twenty of around the green, which I can't believe, um, <laughs> and in the top twenty of tee to green in this field according to Tour Tips. Um, what what I do like as well is I kind of shoehorned him in a oh he's going to win on links and a bit like yeah, a Matthew Southgate yeah. type of thing yeah. um, and all of a sudden he's, he's shown the calibre of play he is by turning up at different events yeah yeah I, I, I like him I like him you know a lot I, I, I again I think he's definitely going to definitely going to stumble over the line at some point and uh, you know you're not going to keep getting 125 no. you know uh, I think again we were discussing him sometimes um you know, oh, Matt John's 25 and stuff like that. And, mm. and you know, it's... Uh, yeah, I like him. I like him. I think he's playing well enough. And, and yeah, he's he's got as much talent as, as people like the Hogards. It's just when they do it... I mean, sometimes it's you forget about them, isn't it? And then they come and do it. But if you continue to get that sort of price... I mean, there's hundreds here. You know, Matt's my pick. But Sharma's playing well. Marcus Arms, you see, Rain, we've, we've discussed that. He's awesome. Yeah. Um, you may not like him, but that's you know that's that's whatever. Uh, there's loads. Samoa can play. Danny Van Ton had done everything right um, until Sunday, uh, and obviously he's a win at Kenya as well, which is a tree-lined track. Um, you can go on, non Molinari's Tita Green is fantastic, but gear we can't trust him, can we anymore? Take your pick, oh. mate. There's loads there. Uh, and and someone this will be a range where this is kind of 125, 150, 200. There'll be. Oh, Kurt Kisiyama, 175 to one. I think he's just played, you know, well on the Corn Ferry and, and now coming back over. All of these guys, Zanotti gets it around here quite a lot. You see his name pop up. There's, there's loads. One thing, go back into one of the names you mentioned there, uh, in Andrew Johnson. I, I sort of mentioned him last week, didn't I? And, and he failed to deliver. But I don't, I don't know how you factor in crowds. Like I've never seen someone as popular as Andrew Johnson at Wentworth. Like yeah. it's just I know, it's probably, without the likes of Rory etc. But just people are so fanatical about him, and and they still will be this week. And I think that he's the type of guy that feeds off of that and likes to show off yeah. and get involved. So I just wonder if that if that would inspire a big performance. So hundreds one for someone who is you know it's not just that is it? It's the course form that's absolutely superb as well. He's got ninth and eighteenth last two years, seventh and twenty first before that as well. So. He's had plenty of experience here of doing such a thing, so I really like that shout. I thought I thought Grant Forrest was really interesting. I've been watching Forrest, um, and then obviously caught my eye after he eventually won. Um, and maybe it would have been better on the old Wentworth, where you know the final two, uh, I think it's the final two par fives were gimmies, because um, he reminds me a bit like Cabrera, to be honest with you, in the way he plays. Uh, but he finished really well at Italy last week, and I know that's dangerous. Um, but his overall scrambling the six was quite interesting, given um, you know you do have to be tidy around here. Um, yeah, when he won, he found 13 shots to green, which is a bit of an outlier on what he normally does. But again, he has yeah, he has a talent that I think he's, he's more than he's actually shown, uh, like many of the ones that we've we've been picking out. But that 32nd in 2020, last year when uh, he wasn't. I don't think it was the player. He's obviously hit one, so he's got a bit more confidence now. But he was 16th after the first round and 6th at halfway. Yeah. Um, like I say, it may be that the old Wentworth would have been better for him. But again, you know, he's a winner this year. Um, and he's in that same old mob, 175 to 1. It's just, you know, you can see these, you know, all these people we're talking about being between 150 and potentially 300 on Betfair. I mean, you can back 10 of them. Mm. And not really, you know not really worry that much and, and should one of them do something at the third, after the third round and it's entirely possible because they're not you know they're not rags um, you're right you make a profit so yeah, there's, there's loads there Tom it's a really really good tournament it's 
it's it's what the European Tour deserve because I think they you know that they have been you know the last month or so has been fantastic. Yep. Far yep. more interesting than the PGA anyway. Hundred percent. I agree with an awful lot of what you said there, and and there is there's just so many opportunities. And Grant Forrest was you know you mentioned him before we come on and almost maybe talked yourself out of him a little bit, but that 16th and 6th shows that he can play here and he's you would say he's a different player since coming here last time, so that would be a massive factor for me. Um, right down further down the leader was Sammy Valamaki made the cut last week, hit the ball okay, which is which is promising that he was 13th on his debut. You mentioned uh, playing a DP World Tour, he's played well there, um, played well in Wales, obviously. So I think there's a little bit in him, but for me, for my outsider, it was Gavin Green. Um, he's coming back to a bit of form now. He he's kind of been in the wilderness for an awful long time, and it it felt a little bit like Lucas Bjerregaard to be honest. In the thirteenth, thirty uh, second, and twenty fourth, uh, the last two weeks, just slowly sort of finding a bit of form. Uh, you look at his irons just after round one, so he was one hundred seventeenth in round one with his irons, but then went thirty sixth, twenty eighth, and sixth in the field. Um, if it was just that one last round, I'd just put it down to a good day, but it was continued improvement throughout the week. Um, I think he's sort of been inside the top 10 here in the past uh, after three rounds, didn't finish it off. But, you know, for me, he's, you know, we know what he is. He's a, he's a quality player that we've all expected to, to get the job done and, and hasn't quite done it yet. I do think he needs it a bit more open and, and to sort of open his shoulders out a little bit. But... It's been played well at Crans before, like you mentioned, he was twelfth there. Played well at the Czech Masters. He's played well in events here at Indian Open. He was second where they sort of a bit of accuracy as well. So British Masters ninth. He, he, he has done it in events that sort of correlate to this. Um, and I just thought the the kind of not that it's been missed, but I think that the improvement hasn't been factored into the four hundred to one price. He was tenth after two rounds uh, last year and twenty seventh after three rounds. So. You really only fell away on the final day. Yeah, I, look, it's it's there, isn't it? I mean, ha, how many do you want? It's 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 very very good. There are cases, genuine cases to make for the 200, 200 one shots here. So, yeah. yeah, what else can you say? Shall we summarise our definitive picks and then yeah. just let, let the listeners sort of do what they will do with with those last ones because. You know, I think especially in terms of like DraftKings, there's a lot of different lineups you can make. But I'm very sweet on Henrik Stenson as you are, uh, forty to one. So we don't need to sort of repeat that one. Um, Sam Horsfield for me at seventy to one. Kara Moura at ninety to one. Um, they're my sort of three definites, and and I do like a lot of the others. Gavin Green, I will probably put up at four hundred to one. Kurt Kitayama sort of makes appeal at one hundred and fifty. So those are my definitive picks. Um, over to you. Yeah, Stenson looks a stonking bet, but like you say, whenever we say that, it's uh, it always goes very wrong. But you know, he's forty to one, and and what's that? One a year. Yeah. Um, so Stenson, yeah, definitely forties. Um, uh, Richard Bland, sixty. Anything sixty better? I think first eight. Martin uh, Kimer. Kimer, I think is just the wrong <laughs> price. I just think he's the wrong price. And for my fourth one, I'm going Matt Jordan. Um, he's he's going to win. Um, and you know, I'd rather be taking 100 plus than 25 when he does. I think that's um, a really and... shrewd bet. Sorry to interrupt, mate, because I, I, I just think that many will look at this as not the right course for him. Um, debutant, just maybe just get put off of him a little bit, and you just, you just got to back the form that he's in. You know, he's, he's playing incredibly well, and like you say, it's going to happen. Why not take a chance at 125? Because if he even plays okay this week. As soon as that Daniel Links comes around, he'll be twenty-five to one again. Yeah, that's where he's going to. Yeah, exactly. That's the, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, well worth watching um, this this week. Uh, I know it's not a direct correlation, but just watch their accuracy and how they're playing as we go towards Spain and, and Valderrama and things like that. Um, just be interesting, yeah. And for for ones to look out for, as you say, DraftKings. I think we were supposed to sort something out on and do like tour tips um, tour tips we were going to do uh, lost for words sort of uh, line up for me we yeah. might have to think about that for doing that next week so people can follow them but if something like that then I would put in Grant Forrest uh, Benjamin Heber who is um, playing much better than uh, than his his um, yes yeah, yeah T. Green and Pablo and we know Pablo could do anything to be honest with you 
He's so either an 80 or a 65, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, we know that. But there he is. He's got his form at the DP, obviously. He loves it around here. He's got his form at Crans. Didn't play, you know, hasn't been playing that bad. No. Um, so I would I would stick him in. And, I mean, you, you could look at, at the likes of Laporto, who comes in at both on both my lists of Tita Green around again, which shouldn't be good enough. Um, and Callum Shinkwin, who has a dire form here. But, you know, again, he maybe he's the type that would have suited the old type of, of finish to this course rather than rather than this one where they've stuck the creek in and, and you have to be a bit more careful. So, yeah, I mean, look, there's the bets. There's the others that, you know, are worth sticking in those DraftKings lineups. If I sound like I know what I'm talking about, then <laughs> I apologise. I actually played a game with my son. Um, I came home and I, I never played computer games ever. And he was on FIFA, whatever. And um, he said, Dad, do you want to play? I have no idea. No idea. He went, that button does that, that button does that, that button does that, that button does that. And Did you uh, Well, do you know what? I led him 1-0 at half-time. <laughs> I got beat. I got beat 2-1 because he, he, um, he was manual. He opened his eyes or what? Well, I think, to be honest, he was, he was doing a bit of hustling, to be fair. I, I um, think what they do is they, they, want, they want Dad to feel like they're a good at it, so they'll play him again and then uh, just crush him. Well, what he does, what he does is what he, he tends to do, like if you're playing like basketball, whatever outside, is he'll tend to let you draw so there's extra time. <laughs> just just to run rings around. <laughs> just you. the fact, no, I've got lunch to make, podcast to do, admin to do, blah, 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 you know. Um, anyway, never mind. So anyway, that's that's yeah, that's yeah, my take on DraftKings. <laughs> yeah, it, we will do it because I think it's an important thing to get into. I think we'll do it next into. year. I think yeah. we'll build something up to do some some lineups and uh, people can follow. I think I think what it is is that you know you haven't really done it. I've kind of had a go at it and I'll sort of talk about it on the on the Mayo show and, and stuff like that. So I I dip into it, but neither of us are massively into. Well, we we will get into it, I think, but the game theory behind it. I think there's an awful lot you need to know to to really be good at it. I used to just try and shoehorn five picks in that I've picked for betting, and, and that never works and. You know, there is so much involved in it that to bring it to people properly requires a lot more thought, uh, research, speaking to the right people. And I think we can do that. And I think we can prepare that for next year um, and really give it our all with that. So that will come. Um, we'll pretend that we know what we're talking about with betting and carry on for that for next year. <laughs> uh, we make it sound like we know what we're talking about with this and uh, we don't, do we? But we try. Oh, I thought you were talking to yourself there. Sorry. <laughs> Why would I be talking to myself? <laughs> Unbelievable scenes. But look, it's going to be a really good event. Um, I should be there Sunday. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Yes, away then. I'll give you a wave. We're all yellow or something. I'll go so Ricky Fowler or something so you know it's me. Um, yeah, do that. Who are you going to follow around? If you've got the choice. If you've, like, let us know on, on Thingy who you're following around. Yeah, I'll, I'll put where's the thing some, up. Where's something like... Bright. Stupid. Yeah. yeah, so we can see. Yeah, job done. What about if I do the thing like just shout Baba Booey like they do on the PJ Tour? <laughs> You'll soon know it's me then. Mashed potato or something. <laughs> Madsen's I'll... just missed a two footer to go one up going to the last few. There we go. Unbelievable. We're going to win it though. So there we are. But yeah, lovely we're... stuff, Jason. Thanks for uh, for joining Gordon, me. Gordon. Oh, oh! <laughs> Castro's just hold a thirty-five footer. Told you she was good. Live, oh, live commentary for live, the Solheim that's Cup. That's what we should have done, is live commentary on the Solheim Cup. Oh. Actually, what we can do, like, I don't know how you feel about this sort of thing, but a lot of, there is popularity about sort of live streaming during events and final rounds yes. and things like that. My son's been um, doing football recently, yeah. Maybe, maybe, we, maybe we start chucking that in there, just to give more, more work to ourselves on a Sunday or something. I'd love to. I used to, I used to do, you know, uh, by the minute golf? Yeah. Yeah, I used to, I used to be one that, like, in the early stages, I used to do it. Yeah. And it was good fun. And I used to do the Betfair forum before all this stuff, before Twitter and stuff like that. I used the to good old days. Yeah, I used to commentate on the golf <laughs> as it was as it was going on, you know. But I, I, I think I think it'd be good because I think people would like to listen to a less sanitised versions of commentary. Yeah. Without no, trying, without getting sued by people, yeah. Um, yeah, it's got far more money than we have. Um, <laughs> I, I think people would. I, I think that's something to put out. Yeah. I think they'd enjoy it. Well, look, let, let's. Oh let's God, let's ask people, people, shall we? 
We'll do DraftKings the next year. We've got to start doing live streams. Um, Look, if that is something that you'd be interested in and you've got this far during the podcast and you're still listening, then then let us know because it is something that we can do. We're open to to all sorts of suggestions. Um, We want to grow. We want to make it, you know, at the end of the day, we want the people that are listening to it to tell us what they want. Um, And then we can sort of cater around that. We'll probably still do what we want anyway, but we're willing to listen. Um, But yeah, there's loads of options, isn't there? Loads of things to do. And uh, modern technology allows all of this. So if we want to live stream the Solheim Cup next year or the year after, we can uh, can do that. Could even do it for the Ryder Cup chase. Potentially. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, if people will listen to it, you know, we'll think about it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that summarises our week. Um, we'll catch up again next week. We've got a we've got a guest on again next week, haven't we? So we have three man podcast. Um, he's just wrapped up a very good season on the uh, PJ Tour tipping wise, and uh, yeah, lots to look forward to. So on to next week, mate. Good luck, mate. This week.